everybody, and welcome to the Cozy Bear Farms Podcast. I'm your host, Dejan Yerby, and you already knew that. So, it's early, early, early in the morning. Early, early, early in the morning. I just came back from the gym again. Uh, Hated the gym this morning. There were so many people there. There were so many people there. I usually do not care how many people are there. But I do care when it gets to the point where I can't get to any of the equipment because there's just so many people there. I usually go super early in the morning, like at 5.30 in the morning, I usually go to the gym. But today, I got there around 6.30 and gym was packed. And I was like, man, this sucks. I was just thinking how much this sucks because there was all these people here too. And usually it depends on the on the day of the week you go to. So, uh, I really just did. For some reason, today just was so packed. And I was like, I don't even want to deal with trying to find or wait for somebody to get done with their equipment or something. Then I tried to go to the treadmill. I went to three different treadmills and the treadmills weren't working. And I was like, man, I can't even walk like a grandma on a treadmill for right now. So I was just all like, I'm just going to come straight to the studio and record an episode. That's why I'm in my Under Armour gear. But uh, usually I wear Gaps. Gaps ain't, but I had to do laundry. And the only thing I had left in the closet was this Under Armour shirt that I usually wear when I'm farming. But that was my morning, just waking up and then getting to the gym at a later time, even though that makes no sense, it does if you live in the gym world. You got a small window of when there's really nobody there and there's enough equipment for everybody. But then when you get there on them days where everybody and their mama and them want to come out to the gym, everything just gets taken up. It's like, man. And the gym's pretty big, but it's just not, it's not huge. It's not huge. So that was my morning, and so that's gonna that that didn't start off my day really well. I usually go to the gym to start off my day really well, and that didn't start off my day really well. But we are gonna start off on is getting into the topic and lesson of today's show, and it's a big question. A lot of people ask this question, and this question is more towards vegetable farmers. So vegetable people. This is your episode today. We're gonna ask the, we're gonna answer the question or try to answer the question. When I buy land, should I start growing crops? Or when should I start growing crops? Or how long it should be before I start growing crops? If you want the real answer to that, you probably gonna have to wait a year. A lot of people don't want to hear that answer. But you're probably going to have to wait a year. And the reason I'm going to say you're going to have to wait a year is because there's so much stuff you got to do to lead up to the point where you can grow vegetables. Growing vegetables ain't no big deal. You already got that covered because you decide I'm going to be a farmer and I'm going to buy this land. And I'm going to start growing vegetables because I want to uh, get into this part of agriculture in my life or whatever. You already leased land from somewhere before and you got growing vegetables down packed. But now you're stepping in the territory of you're starting off from scratch. You just bought some land. You probably got a house on the land 
and you're thinking, hey, we got a cool five acres because for some reason when people buy land, they usually buy more land than what they actually need. And most times they get it at a pretty good deal too. So say you just bought five acres and you got your little house and now you're thinking, okay, now we're going to grow some crops, go to the farmer's markets. We're going to sell the restaurants. Nope. Mm -mm. You ain't growing nothing for a hot year, for a hot year, uh, 365 days. You ain't growing no crops. And the reason I say that is because if you're starting off basic, you're starting off basic. First thing you got to do, you got to buy all your equipment and all your infrastructure and all that stuff. So one, for buildings, you're going to need a farmhouse. A farmhouse is not like giant barn where farmers live in. A farmhouse is where you might store all your equipment and where all your stuff is going to be. So like your tractors, your fertilizer, your pesticides, you might have your office in there. You might park some of your vehicles in there if it's big enough. So one, you need to get a farmhouse. Then you need to get a wash house because you kind of don't want to have your farmhouse full of all these dangerous chemicals and stuff that can spread everywhere in the same place where you're going to be washing vegetables. So you need a wash house. Then you're going to need a greenhouse because you are not finna go out and keep buying transplants from uh, other people because that's just an extra expense when you can grow it, when you can start it on your own. Then you're probably going to have to get a tool shed. Even though you have the farmhouse, you still might have so many tools that you don't know what to do with. Because you have five acres, and so you're going to need some extra storage. Then you're probably going to have to go out and buy some high tunnels. Because if you're a farmer, you know the benefits of having a high tunnel. So you're probably going to go out and buy some high tunnels. You're probably going to get five of them because you're on five acres and you got the room for it. Then you got to go and get the actual equipment. So you might have to get tractors. You might have to get a BCS. You're definitely going to have to get some type of vehicle or car or something that can get you from here to there. So you got that stuff. Then you got to get the land prepped because even though you go out and do a soil test, you still got to get the land prepped. You still got to get it tilled out depending on what the area is most places you go to ain't finna be just bare flat ground you're probably gonna have somewhere where it's full of weeds full of grass everything like that so you gotta mow out all that stuff you gotta put down your salad tarps we talked about salad tarps in the previous video um again if you want to buy salad tarps somebody told me of this place called farm plastic supplies they're a really good place to buy salad tarps from but you're gonna have to get that if you want to be a no-till kind of farmer um there is a couple of things you have to get you got to get your business together you got to get some of your business license together you got to get insurance down there's a couple of things that you're gonna have to do before you can even lead up to buy to growing vegetables so let's say we start with all the infrastructure you got the farmhouse you got the wash house you got a side garage so you can put all your extra tools in you got a greenhouse. You went out and got like five high tunnels. Great. Now we're moving from that to actually getting the equipment that you're going to need to actually farm. So you might have to go get a tractor or you might get a BCS, depending on what you want to do. A tractor, we all know what the tractor is. A BCS is a two-wheel tractor that's a little bit easier to handle and is 
easier to maneuver around and stuff than an actual tractor, but you might you might get both. Some people get both, so you might get both. Then again, you need to get all your planting materials, like your trellises and your uh, uh, shovels and rakes and all that other stuff. Okay, so now you got all the equipment. Now you got all the infrastructure down. Now you're looking at, hey, we might have to hire some people. And if you're on five acres and you're growing on all five acres, best believe you're going to be hiring some people. So now you got to sit there and go through your finances and see how much can we actually pay somebody to come out here and work and actually get the farm started up. Because you're probably going to have to hire a farm assistant manager, assuming that you are the manager of your own farm. So you're going to have to look at that. Then you're going to have to hire a couple of farm hands. And when you get all those people together, that might be a three-month process because you need to spend the right amount of time to find the best person to come work for you at your place. So that might be another three months of just trying to search for the right person that can help you get to your dream. So again, now we have all that. So let's go down the list. We got the infrastructure. We got all the equipment. We got the employees. Now it's time to uh, mend the land. Now, again, all that stuff that I just said, that's months of working. That's months of getting this farmhouse built or transported to your place. That's months of getting the greenhouse built. That's months of getting the high tunnels built. That's months of getting all the equipment that you need for your farm. Now, I said, this is taking up months. This ain't going to happen in one week. No, it, we're not magical like that unless you're cozy. But again, this stuff is going to be taking months. Then, after you got all that stuff done, now we got to prep the land. We got to go out there. You might have to bush hog your land. You might have some trees that you want to cut down or maneuver around. You might have fields. You might have fields that are just covered in grass that you're going to have to mow down. And after you got all that stuff cleared out and you planned out how you want to set up your plots, if you really not sure, there's a great program called TEND. TEND, the, I think it's called the Organic Farming Management Software. It's called TEND. TEND. T-E-N-D. TEND. I guess that's how you pronounce it. It's a great program for people that have large amounts of land and they need to figure out how can they grow in this uh, area and how can they space out their plots what kind of plots that they have. You can plug in your vegetables and do crop rotations and do a crop plan on 10. It's a really great program if you have like over two acres. So it's a really good program for people to have over two acres of uh, land to farm on. So you might go out and get 10. So now you're going to be spending about two weeks filling in all the information on 10 while you got your farm hands and your assistant manager out there mowing down land, digging up land, prepping up land, and now you have all your plots done. Well, guess what? Now you gotta get the water situation down. Now you gotta depend on if, if I'm on city water, if you got five acres and on city water, forget that. You got well water, like you gotta set up uh, spigots at the right location, so you gotta put a spigot by your greenhouse, you gotta put a spigot by your high tunnels, you gotta put a spigot by your plots, then you gotta get your irrigation set up. So either you're gonna do overhead or drip tape. So now you gotta get all that stuff set up. But you're also dealing with the pressure of making sure that you're keeping the weeds down too. So it's just a lot of different stuff you gotta do 
just to get the process of getting the plots done. So, because we completely forgot about the irrigation. Irrigation, you need water because you're not an Amish person who's waiting on the rain. You're in the 21st century and you're like, hey, we, we need water. We need water. So, now you got all that done. Now you got all that done, right? You got all that done. Now you're thinking, okay, now we can grow stuff. Eh, mm-mm. Now you need to sit down and make a business plan and figure out who you're going to be selling to. Are you going to be doing a CSA? You're going to be doing restaurants? You're going to be doing farm market? Are you going to be doing all three? Are you going to be selling directly to customers? Or you're going to be doing you pick stuff? Now you got to go through your whole business plan and figure out what you guys are going to do. Then you're going to have to go out and get the right certifications and paperwork to make sure that you can sell on the stuff that you want to sell to or you need to go through and figure out whatever the requirements you got to have just to be able to sell in the whatever region or area that you're in a lot of different paperwork and management and now you're thinking okay okay we got that done now we can start growing stuff and nope now you got to figure out how you're going to market your farm you got to create social media accounts you got to create um as for yourself, you got to market yourself really well. And then you're going to have to, through this whole entire process, you need to be taking pictures of yourself and pictures of the whole process of how everything is going, take videos, all this other stuff. So then when you do create your social media account, you have a catalog of everything that you can post saying, this was us on this day. This was us on this day. This was us on that day. A lot of different stuff. A lot of different stuff. Now you're like, okay, we have our social media down. We have this down. Now, now, now we can plant. And nope. Because now you got to go back on 10 and get your crop plan set up. You got to figure out how to do your crop plan. And now you got to figure out, hey, what is the climate of this region? What is the environment of this region? Where, if you're living in Georgia, you're not going to be growing kale in July. So you're trying to figure out. Hey, where am I at? What crops do best in what season? What kind of climate is is this region that I'm in? When does it get hot? When does it get cold? When should I start wait? Uh, when should I start looking for the frost? When should I put stuff in a high tunnel? You gotta do all that stuff now, and then then when you have all that done, you have all that done. You got the infrastructure. You got the equipment. You got the irrigation. You got your employees. You got social media. You got, um, I'm probably going to say something twice. Uh, you got the irrigation. I think I said irrigation. You got your plots done. You got 10, or you just made your own crop plan. You got your business plan done. You got your finances all together. Now, now it's looking like, hey, hey guys, I think we can actually start planting in the ground. And, nope. You probably forgot about one other thing too. You gotta mend your soil. You gotta put the right nutrients in your soil. When you was getting your plots all done and, and together, you probably forgot, oh, we gotta order compost. We gotta put compost down. We gotta put uh we gotta put the right nutrients back in the soil. And one, we need to do a soil test. And not the before soil test, before we start doing all this work. I mean the soil test after you got everything after you got all the plots and stuff set up where you got rid of all the grass and all the other stuff. Now you do a soil test and now you figure out what your soil looking like. 
Because the soil before might be completely different than the soil that you, that you just dug around and milled around and did all this extra stuff to. It might be totally different. It might have extra stuff in it or it might have less stuff in it. Now you got to do a soil test. Now you got to do a soil test. And now you're probably looking like, what the hell, man? What the hell? When are we going to start planting? Well, soil test came back, told you you need to put this stuff in the ground. Put this stuff in the ground. And guess what? Guess what? Now. You can start planting. But then you got to look into it and see, hey, it's going to be probably another three months where anything's up and up and going. And we went by a whole entire year. Now we're in January. We're in January now of the next year. We're in January now. So say we started in 2021. Now it's 2022. Now it's 2022. It's January. And you're looking like, well, it's winter. Uh, where should we start? Well, you got the greenhouse. Put all this stuff up in your greenhouse. When spring rolls around, now you got the stuff out there in the ground. But then hold on. You're going to have to wait for that stuff to grow. And once it's fully mature and grown, and it usually takes three months for a, lot of, for a lot of the stuff that we grow, you can start selling. You see that whole entire process now? You see how, what I'm saying, it's probably going to be a whole year before you start selling when you buy land. And that's just fresh off the bat. Fresh off the bat. Now, again, say you bought land from a retired farmer and he had all this stuff set up. He had the infrastructure. He had the greenhouses. He had the irrigation all set up. Say you're looking now like, hey, I just come straight here and I plant. No, you're not. You need to spend the, the right amount of time to get that farm set up to the way that you want it to have set up. I don't care what that retired farmer had planned. That that plan worked for him. There's a, Every farmer has a method of how they're going to do their farming or how they want to farm or how they want to grow their stuff. No two farmers do the same thing. Me, my farm mentor, he... he my farm mentor, his name is Seth, he trained me straight in agriculture. He trained me straight farming. And he showed me all the tricks that he does. He showed me all the tactics that he does. And when I moved to my own farm and I decided to be that little baby bird when the bird kicks you off the nest and I fly on my own, a lot of stuff that he does, I, I just don't do. There's a lot of stuff that he does that I don't do. And there's a lot of stuff that I do that he doesn't do. But we will go to each other and ask each other, hey, what you think you would do with this? And then I'll ask him what you think we should do with that. Or he'll ask me, hey, I got this going on. What you think we should do? So even though every not the not um, two farmers farm the same way, you can still learn from each other and you can still figure out what to do from each other. But again, Somebody's calling my phone. But again, uh, every farmer has their own method of how they're doing stuff. So no two farmers are the same. So even if you buy land or a farm from somebody that retired, they did something that you probably are not going to do right off the bat. They have their own way of how they did things. You have your own way of how you do things. So don't sit there and say, hey, I'm going to 
buy this land and then continue and say, hey, I'm going to do exactly what that guy did. No, you're not. So that might be a whole nother year of just getting the farm together the way that you want to do it. So you guys have fun with that. Hopefully I answered that question. Hopefully I didn't take too long. And right now we're going to go ahead and move over to the fan questions. This episode is brought to you by Heartsong Herbs. Heartsong Herbs is a farm and apothecary based in Athens, Georgia. They are proudly part of a growing movement of regenerative agricultural farming that prioritizes soil health to grow beyond organic. Founder Dana Nevins produces herbal tinctures and beauty care products with the vigor and potency of plants found as they grow in the wild right outside of her door. This high quality herbal medicine is available in two ounce formulas that aid in everything from immune support to anxiety relief. Find Heartsong Herbs at various Athens retailers or online at www.heartsongherbs.com. Again, that is www.heartsongherbs.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Recipe for Press. If your company wants to engage today's influencers and inspire them to write about you, then you need to read Recipe for Press. Athens-based communication advisor and author Amy Fleury helps entrepreneurs across the country demystify the process of pitching their story and creating a buzz. Her book, Recipe for Press, the DIY PR guide to being your own publicist is truly empowered me and so many other local companies to grow their customer base by sharing their stories. Listeners get a 20% discount with the code cozy when they order amy's book or any of her products in recipe for press store found on www.amyflurry.com again that is 20 percent off using the promo code cozy for any other products on recipe for press store found on www.amyflurry.com www.amyflurry.com all right, let's get into some fan questions. First question. Hey, Cozy. Um, I started growing tomatoes the other day, and I see that they're getting really, really bushy. I guess they mean the vines and the suckers are growing out. Uh, I've heard people say that you need to prune them. How far should I prune? Okay. Um, with tomato pruning, you need to go down to the base and just prune all the stuff off. Just prune all the stuff off. Give yourself about, I don't know how big the tomato plant is, but I would give, you need to prune around the base so that it gets some good airflow down, down to the very base of the tomato plant. So say your tomato plant is three feet tall now, um, I would prune about 10 inches from the ground up and just prune that stuff, prune off the suckers, prune off the vines, prune off all that stuff so that you can get some clear airflow at the bottom. Uh, I don't know what kind of trellis system that you're using or if you're even using a trellis or whatever you're doing, but definitely at the bottom, you need to get some really, really good airflow for the tomato plant so they can breed a little bit better. All that, all 
those extra branches and everything sometimes ain't the best for the tomato for it to stay healthy. So I know some people just all like, no, let them grow, let them grow, let them get as big as possible. But sometimes it doesn't help with the production of the tomato plant. So next question. Hey, Cozy. Um, I'm a vegetable farmer and I'm trying to think of different ways to make a profit. How... What do you suggest? Uh, Give me a headache to read that. I'm assuming you're asking what are different revenue avenues that you could take as a vegetable farmer. Well, we said it in the beginning. You could sell at farmer's markets. You could do a CSA. You could do a restaurant. Or you can sell directly to customers. So um, for me, I sell at farmer's markets and I sell directly to customers. So I'll have my harvest. Uh, so let's say, okay, so on Monday, I'll look through all my stuff, see what all I have. Then I'll message the people that I know that will buy from me every week directly. And then I'll tell them what I have. They'll order their stuff. I'll harvest it on Tuesday or Wednesday, process it, deliver it to these people on Friday. Now, people who I'm selling to directly are people that I can drive to that's within a 15 mile radius or something, not going all the way out of nowhere to deliver some vegetables. So after I harvest their stuff, then I harvest stuff for the farmer's market. And the reason I do that is because the farmer's market are unknown sales. Uh, The people that I'm selling to directly, those are confirmed sales. So I'm going to sell to the people that I know are going to buy. But the farmer's market is the little unknown of, are these people going to buy it or are they not going to buy it? But you could do restaurants and sell to multiple restaurants. And if that's still not enough, you could do a CSA. And you could do CSA, the community supportive ag box thing, where you just create a box and for like a kind of like a uh, 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 upfront payment, you get a box every week full of vegetables. We'll dive more into this. I'm just trying to answer this question really quick. We'll dive further into all of these things later on but if you're starting off and you and you just want to do something simple i would choose two of those things the csa is going to be the hardest then it's going to be restaurants and then it's going to be farmers markets and then selling directly to people so if you want to do a csa do a csa and then maybe sell directly to customers who might not want to do the csa or go to a farmer's market or you want to sell to restaurants, then do the other, do one of the other ones. But there's different revenues that you can do. I mean, some people, they sell compost. Some people, they make their own compost on their farm and they sell compost. So you can do that too. There's all different things you could do, but those are the four that I suggest for right now. Those are the four that I suggest for right now. Hey, Cozy. So how important is signage at a farmer's market? I always see that your banner is always placed directly behind you at your booth. Is that the best place to have your banner for signage? Uh, Signage is super important. Signage is super important. The reason I put it up behind me, I use bungee cords and I just uh, hang it up behind me. So say that my booth is right in front of me, then behind me, is my banner on the back of the uh, tent that I use. I put it up there so that people can see it as they're walking by. I know some people, they'll put their banner down on their table. 
The only time I'll ever do that is if I don't have a tent. I really don't like putting it down at the table because I do kind of like a U-shape kind of thing at the farmer's market where I have my main table in front of me and then there's two side tables on the other ends of the uh, of the main table. So it looks like a U. And when people come in, it's kind of like they're stepping into a grocery store kind of. So if I put a banner at the bottom, it's going to be kind of hard for people to see what's the name of my farm. So that's why I do it behind me. But if I didn't have a tent, I'll put it in front of me. I know some people will get a chalkboard thing and like draw out their farm design or something. I wouldn't really do that because for me, I like things to look professional. I like things to look like you actually know what you're doing. Now to say a chalkboard sign is not um, saying that you don't know what you're doing, but if it's me, customer, walking in and I don't know who you are, I'm probably going to go with the person who has a banner that has been professionally done than somebody who just did an arts and crafts project on a chalkboard saying that this is the the, 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 the uh, uh, Beeply Blop farm. I don't want to call out a farm. I don't want to say actual legit farm name and call out somebody by mistake. I don't want to do that. So the Bibbly Blop farm, there's no farm named Bibbly Blop. If there is a farm named Bibbly Blop, I'm sorry. So yeah, I would just do that. Get an actual banner, go to Vista Print, go to Printful, go somewhere where you can invest in an actual banner and an outdoor banner and either put it behind you so that people can see it as they're walking by. If you're going to put it on the front of your table, make sure it's neat and clear so that everybody can see it. Um, if you still going to do the chalkboard thing, do the chalkboard thing, but make sure you know how to draw because I've seen some bad, um, signage where I just, I, I didn't want to go over there. Cause it was like, man, your signage looks awful. Why did you do that? So just something to think about. Uh, okay. Let's do, let's do a couple more questions. Let's do some quick questions. I'm skimming through some of these. Because some of y'all ask college grade questions. And it's great, but I, I ain't got time to answer all of those. It's going to take me a hot hour to answer some of these. Um, that's a quick one. Hey, Cozy, so what is your preferred fertilizer for your crops? Uh, I use Harmony from Seven Spring Farms. Harmony is like chicken litter, basically chicken shit. And for some reason, that stuff does really, really well for my... Um, for my spot, I'll put that uh, chicken litter out there. Stuff grows really, really well. It's like putting it on steroids or something. Not really. It's organic. Um, but I like using Harmony from um, uh, Seven Springs Farm. Also, they have another one called Symphony. That's a look. That's is better than Harmony. There's more beneficial stuff in there, but Harmony is a little bit cheaper. So I go with Harmony. I kind of go cheaper. So okay. Hey, Cozy. Um, what restaurants do you suggest I sell to if I'm just starting off? Um, I'm going to assume you're selling vegetables. You didn't tell me what you sell. So if it's me, if you're just starting off trying to sell to restaurants, I would, I would sell to mom and pop places. Don't go to those high-end restaurants just yet. Find some mom and pop place 
Take them a basket of your vegetables. Show them how good your vegetables are. Bring them your best looking vegetables right off the gate. Bring them your best looking vegetables and make sure it tastes delicious. Everybody thinks that all vegetables taste the same. No, they don't. My vegetables are the best tasting vegetables you'll ever have. That's a shameless plug. I don't care. I've had professional chefs tell me my stuff is delicious. So I'm going to go ahead and say that my stuff is delicious. But um, make sure your stuff is delicious. Hand it out to some people so that they can tell you that your stuff is delicious and then go find a mom and pop place and start selling to them. That mom and pop place, they're probably not going to buy up a lot of your stuff, but if you're just starting off, you want to get your name out there more. And if you're doing really well with them, then you can upgrade up to more of an established restaurant. And then when your name is doing well with them, then you can start looking up at high-end restaurants and go from there. So I I suggest doing that. Go to a mom and pop place first. Then catapult up to the other one. Okay. Hey, Cozy, I just started uh, raising chickens, but I'm debating on should I do them for eggs or for meat. What do you suggest? Do them for eggs. Do them for eggs. Meat, I I said in another podcast about how meat is very tricky and you need to spend a lot of time understanding how to process your own stuff so sell them for the eggs if you just started doing this sell them for the eggs sell them for the eggs i love singing on this show sell them for the eggs um hey cozy so we're thinking about doing a cattle farm and we want to do milk and we saw that nowadays you need to process the milk from a machine but if we wanted to do it old school way and sell directly to customers, could we get away with doing that? Don't ask me that question. That's that's uh, don't. Ooh, why did I read that question? God dang. No, you. Um, I would not suggest doing that. No, uh, uh-uh. they got to go through a machine now. Cows different. <laughs> we our bodies different. We this ain't this ain't the 1920s. This ain't little house on the prairie. I ain't drinking straight out of that um, cow's tit. Hell no. <laughs> the heck. Had to go through a machine and process. No, I would not do that. You guys need to get a machine. You trying to cut corners? Uh uh-uh, uh, ain't getting that. Mm-mm, I don't know. I don't know what you feeding your cow. Oh hell no. Uh, but you um, reach out to an actual cow farmer and see what they say. Hell no, though. For for me, no. I'm not eating straight off a cow's udder. Hell no. It's, World, this ain't 1930. The hell, we have power. No, <laughs> this is 2021. What are you guys doing? Oh my god, what are you guys doing? Fuck, I love these questions. Um, <laughs> could, we, could we just do it the old school way? <laughs> Pour it straight out of the uh, no. Mm. <laughs> Okay, hey cozy. So we've heard. Oh, this one. Mm, making that face. This is this is one of those disgusting questions. Hey cozy. So what side of the debate are you on on people who use compost, but they actually put their own feces in their compost? Are you gonna put are you gonna put that compost back out in, in the soil? Okay, I I've heard of people um. Doing the whole, they they put they poop in their compost and put it back out there in, in the soil. I've heard of people do that, but the only people that really do that are homesteaders 
uh, people who actually do it for production and actually want to make it into a business, they don't do that. They don't do that. They don't do that. Because if that came out that you put in shit, like actual poop in your compost and you put an actual poop in your compost and then you putting it back out there in the fields, people ain't finna keep buying from you. So if you're a homesteader, do whatever you want to do, fam. I ain't finna stop you, but I'm not finna eat your stuff. I, I, I say no, no. You, you will hear a lot more no from actual soil scientists too saying no, don't do that. Don't put feces in there. I know a lot of people be like, oh, but we use manure and stuff. That manure been processed and stuff, dude. That's not straight cow shit. You you gonna go out there in the in the field and just take a hot cow patty and throw it in your um freaking garden? No. Uh uh-uh. uh. So that stuff been processed. Uh oh, hold on. We got another question coming in just now. Eh, that's something else. Um, I'm not going to answer that question. That's a weird question. I love that. I just got an email right now during the show. Um, let's look at one more. Skim through one more. Bloop, 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 bloop. Oh, here we go. Hey, Cozy, we're trying to debate on a farm name, but we really just don't know what farm name to choose from. How would you suggest choosing your farm's name? That's a good question. I know a lot of people ask me, why did I choose Cozy Bear? Um, I chose Cozy Bear because I really like bears. They're the apex predator in the world. There's nothing more dominant than a bear. You guys can Google that. And if Google says that that's not, rude, uh, that that's not true, then I'm going to tell Google you can go shut it. Um, but I wanted, so I wanted to use bear. I wanted to use bear. I really like bears. Uh, and I'm stocky like a bear, too. So I really wanted to use bear, but I was trying to think of something where it was like, what could go with bear that will sound inviting to people that come to my booth? So I was sitting there like, mm, cause I couldn't do grizzly bear because that's just too basic. I was thinking of sun bear, but I was like, you can't use the actual species of bear because everybody might have that i need something that's super original so i was just thinking of like things that you would think of with a bear so it's like you can't do angry bear you can't do aggressive bear you can't do scary bear i was trying to think of like nice warm and inviting things so it was like cuddle bear care bear and then I was thinking, like, what else goes with bear? And I was thinking cozy. And I was like, cozy's not a word that a lot of people use all the time. So I was like, maybe cozy? You know, because I was just thinking of warm and inviting things. And that just popped in my head. So I was like, maybe cozy bear? Cozy bear? Yeah. Maybe cozy bear. Yeah, let's try cozy bear. And then I was thinking, I didn't want to be cozy bear farm. So, Cozy Bear Farms is the podcast. That's the podcast name. Cozy Bear Farms, because it's like Cozy Bear be farming. That's the podcast name. But for my actual farm, I was thinking, like, I don't want to call my farm a farm because I only farm on a fourth of an acre. I grow more food than some... I grow more food than most farms in my area. But, um... I just didn't want to call it a... I just didn't want to call it a farm. I wanted something more original, and I remember reading the market gardening book by John Martin, and I was thinking, okay, I could just call my place a market garden. So we have Cozy Bear Market Garden. Because 
you come to my place, it do have that garden feel, but I do be growing a lot of food. I grow a lot of food on one-fourth of an acre. So, but when you come out there, it has a little gardening feel because there's a lake, there's benches, there's daylilies, there's a lot of flowers everywhere. It looks like a garden feel, so I was like, this fits. So that's how Cozy Bear Market Garden came to be. Then I went to my big sis, Mary. Uh, I love Mary. Shout out to her husband, Justin. I went to my big sis, Mary, and I gave her the name. Anytime I make up a name for anything, I always run it by Mary because Mary has uh, has the... Just the, the keen sight on stuff like that. She, she's with it. She knows how to do names. She loved the name. Yeah, she really loved the name. And she was like, you need to go with it. Then I went to my mom and I told my mom the name and she hated it. And so a little family secret in our family is if my mom hates the idea, that means it's the greatest idea in the world. Anything that she hates usually does super, super successful. So when she said she hated the name Cozy Bear Farms, I was like, hell yeah, we're sticking with Cozy Bear Farms. I remember she hated the color of my minivan, and I was like, okay, so it's a dope-ass color because you hate the color of the minivan. Because usually everything that you hate usually does really, really well. So, uh, and Cozy Bear Mark Garden is doing really, really well right now. So, shout out to mom. But that's how that name came to be. I'm sorry it wasn't no weird, like astrological or mythical or heartfelt story of we wanted to do this and everything like i was just thinking of something that's different that's unique that could fit me and i love bears but i was also thinking too what goes with bear that would work also people will say sometimes that i am intimidating i don't see it i i just don't um, but they will always find comfort in talking to me. So that also played into that too, where people are just all like, yeah, we can see you being aggressive like a bear. I don't see it. I'm a nice person. I don't, I don't intimidate people. I don't get angry that much, but, um, they said they could see me intimidating as a bear, but they could also see me being warm and comforting where they want to come and tell me their problems. Like I'm their therapist and I'm fine with that. But sooner or later, I'm going to start charging you people and you guys know who you are. But, um, yeah, that's how Cozy Bear came to be. So you're trying to figure out the name of your farm or anything like that. I, I would sit down and think, like, what goes well with you and how do you want to present yourself and how do you guys want to do it? Um, if you guys are going to do like a mascot, like an animal or something, make sure it plays well with that animal. I've seen some stuff where people will have like, We'll have like a bird in their uh, farm name, but then it's like a badger for their mascot animal. And it's like, why is your farm named bird something? But then there's a badger as the mascot. Shouldn't it be a bird, you know? So, but if you're going to do that, do that. But if you're just going to be a flat out name with no weird images or nothing, make sure it goes well with you. Make sure it goes well with your farm and make sure it's original. Don't be like half moon or full moon or, 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 or moon something. There's so many half moon, full moon farms out there. Like, y'all need to stop with this moon stuff. There's no crescent moon farm, I don't believe. Or blue moon farm or red moon farm or the dark side of the moon farm. You guys could do all that stuff. So, um, there's a lot of sun farms too. So, you guys could do that. That'll probably work out for you guys. But that's going to do it for us. So thank you guys for sending in your questions. I forgot to say it again. 
Um, if you want to send me your questions, you can email me at uh, cozybearmarketgarden at gmail.com and write questions in the subject. Write podcast questions because sometimes you guys just send me stuff with no subject and I don't know what it is. Um, also, you can DM me on Instagram at cozybearmarketgarden on Instagram. The only time I'm ever going to tell people to slide into my DMs. I don't like that. But if it's for a question, go ahead. Or every Sunday, I will post a post, post a post, oh, a picture saying Cozy Bear Farm Farm um, fan questions, and you guys can leave your questions in the comment below. Thank you guys for listening. Hit that subscribe and like button, and we will see you next week. Cozy's out.